Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4YK podcast. This week's talk, uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk about the future and how it's the undiscovered country for 401k plan providers. So uh, tune in for that, uh, as you are tuned in for that. Go to that 4 kcom for further information on all our events. We have a virtual conference at the end of January. We have live events in Arlington, Texas. Bronx, New York, uh, for both May and June. Got some um, planned sponsors. For, I've got some sponsors for those events. Um, shout out, obviously, to um, Pension Assurance. Just came on board for the virtual event. Uh, obviously, Invesco as well has been always been a part of our event, so we always thank them. But um, go to that 4 Articles pretty soon this week. We should have the sign-up pages for both the Arlington, Texas, and the New York City event. So now back to the fun-filled episode. Um, Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 1. The undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. It's also the title of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And, you know, in that movie, the future is the, undisco- is the undiscovered country. Um, and, you know, the future can be frightening. Uh, I can't predict the future. And listen, if I could, I would predict, you know, next week's winning Powerball numbers. You know, you, you kind of can see things. Um, I was very, very lucky in the sense that when it came to business... I could certainly see things that were happening in the retirement plan space and in the legal space uh, before they happened. Um, You know, as I always say, I was an employee, so um, I was malcontent. I always knew better. Uh, For most of the time, I I did. Um, You know, I could see how um, fee transparency was going to become a thing, Uh, whether it was the government forcing it on us or the industry policing itself. I knew that you know, fee disclosure was going to be a thing. I predicted uh, the unfortunate aspects of my old law firm. They're about 60% smaller than they were 13 years ago when I left. Uh, but, you know, there are obviously some things in this business. You can talk about the future, but you can see how it could have an effect. And this is what it's all about. And obviously, off the top, the new, new, new fiduciary rule uh, or so we think. By the time this episode drops, we may or may not have a new proposed fiduciary rule. Um, it seems that you know every you know every few years, uh, the Department of Labor uh, wants to implement a new fiduciary rule. Uh, in their defense, um, the original fiduciary rule was drafted into the regs for ERISA which came into effect in 1976. And in 1976, the industry was quite different. There were no 401k plans. Um, it was DB. Uh, we didn't have that whole participant direction investments. And money managers uh, were mostly involved in retirement plans. Independent money managers. Uh, mutual funds weren't such a big thing. Daily valuation, all that kind of stuff. So it was a, kind of a obsolete rule and of course Department of Labor for years and years and years I want to say for the last 15 to 20 years has been trying to change that 
uh, every few years they come up with a new proposal. Obviously, the biggest change to me was the 2015-2016 change that eventually uh, the industry spent millions and millions of dollars of compliance. Uh, there was a time I was working at the office of one very, very well-known insurance company. And to comply with the rule, they were just basically going to get rid of all their SEP plans, their, the, the entire SEP business, and they did that. And then came along uh, that fateful November Tuesday day, and Trump was elected, and they basically said, you know what, Ari, we don't need you anymore. This rule is, 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 is gone. And, of course, they were right. Uh, that rule eventually was withdrawn, and then Trump White House put out a new rule, and we thought the Biden White House was going to, eliminate it. They did not. They decided that they're going to implement their own rules. Uh, only problem is we got a presidential election next year. And if you can tell me who's uh, going to be president, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Is it going to be Biden or is it going to be Trump? Uh, is it possible that another Republican could come to the forefront? Yeah, it's possible, not likely. But, um, you know, I will say that, uh, you know, any change to the fiduciary rule is going to cause a lot of trepidation. The brokers aren't going to like it, you know. They didn't like it the last couple of changes, and you know, I always like the people who say, um, you know, um, that um, people are going to stop having retirement plans because they can't get, uh, you know, brokers to help them with their plan and all that kind of nonsense. Which we saw with all these changes that that's not the case. But uh, you know, it's it's always you know funny to see um, you know the industry have a, uh, a meltdown um, as it pertains to uh, any type of fiduciary rule change. We, we, we saw that where they said, you know, listen, there was quite a few chicken littles that said people are going to, you know, stop having retirement plans because of the few disclosure rules and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it will be a change, whether it's fully implemented or not. You know, we'll see what happens in November 2024. That's how it is. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. Next, I think it's a big concern, the horizontal expansion of certain plant providers. Donnie Brasco was a great movie. Loved it. You know, Al Pacino, Johnny Depp, Bruno Kirby was in that too, the late, great Bruno Kirby, um, Michael Madsen. And uh, I remember that movie coming out. I was still in school, and I think it was 97, 98. Uh, I went to see it in the theaters. But uh, Al Pacino played Lefty Ruggiero, uh, who in real life wasn't whacked, as the movie suggested that he was. But he says, when they send for you, you go in alive, you come out dead, and it's your best friend that does it. And I've always loved that phrase, because it always reminds me, you know what, you're going to get, you know, because I've had, you know, very few situations in life, get stabbed in the back, <laughs> and it's your best friend who does it. Uh, it's probably happened to me once or twice in my life. Uh, not fun, uh, but it happens. And I'm not suggesting that that is how a plan provider will treat you, but, you know, I work for a producing TPA. Uh, so, you know, I worked for a producing TPA for about five years uh, in the days before fee disclosure. And I thought it was kind of weird that other financial advisors would bring us plans because we would replace the broker uh, on these plans from time to time. If the broker got fired... Uh, we had, uh, you know, we would replace them as the advisor. I were, I once went to a broker brokerage office, and I was told that my old boss wasn't allowed in the building. Um, you know, obviously, most producing CPAs, they don't steal business. Um, 
they just don't do that. Rich Larita was a person that I knew that I worked with, and you know, working with him at a producing CPA, he said, you know, if a client fires the advisor, brought us a business, we're going to fire the client. We just don't want to be in that in our relationship where it looks like we are going to, you know, be considered a stealing business. You know, it's hard to get business when you develop a reputation uh, of stealing business for other plant providers. So, uh, again, while most uh, producing CPAs are hands-off with plans belonging to other advisors that they administer, that hasn't stopped, you know, a handful of producing CPAs from ignoring that kind of rule. Um, if you've noticed larger plant providers, not going to name names, they purchased RA firms, and they will have a horizontal expansion of their business. Uh, plant providers or publicly traded companies obviously need to increase revenue to please their shareholders. Uh, one avenue is obviously expand their business. Uh, obviously, being custodians of TPAs as well as having a trust company may not be enough. They will certainly see advisory services just a synergy to their existing business for continued growth. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that large providers are going to steal your business if you're bringing it to them. Uh, what I'm just trying to say is that they're a potential co uh, competitor. Uh, you know, we, again, when I was at this producing TPA, we worked with, we, I think, probably still the largest mutual fund company on earth. We used their platform. They also had a great revenue sharing platform uh, that was abused, but that's all, neither here nor there. Uh, it didn't stop from them, their direct business from stealing business from us. Uh, that's just the nature of it. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's the risk you uh, have when you're dealing with a large plan provider uh, in one way or the other. And I think that that is always a concern. I had an advisor who went ballistic on me because the plant, well, he didn't go ballistic on me. I'm not advertising, but he, he saw ads uh, on TV. Um, another firm that he had worked with, it was a 338, got bought out by somebody larger, and he saw ads on TV in Florida. Then all of a sudden he got all ticked off that, uh, you know, plans. Uh, his people he was bringing plans to were going to try to steal his business, and that's that's a uh, that's a concern. You know, I you know I'm an arrest attorney. I'm not in the three thirty eight business. I'm not going to steal your business. This is all I know how to do, aside from being a plant fiduciary. But it is what it is. Uh, next, obviously, to the threat of artificial intelligence, it's a growing issue. Uh, for me, as a fan of the Terminator movies. I, I I still have concerns about Judgment Day and you know the machines taking over and artificial intelligence space. Uh, be, uh, artificial intelligence is becoming part of that retirement plan space. Uh, it's you know no different than any other technological breakthrough. It will create mass efficiencies in our marketplace and it will eliminate jobs that are performed by humans. This is no different than anything ever introduced since the Industrial Revolution. I mean, the assembly line that Henry Ford kind of mastered with the development of the Model T, that eliminated jobs. Computers eliminated jobs. Uh, you know, they talk about, you know, people going crazy about these fast food kiosks. They put people out of jobs. 
that's just the nature of things. Uh, I started in the retirement plan business in 1998 um, when everything was done by paper or telephone. Uh, it's changed. People lost jobs. That's a fact. Um, you know, when we started to have websites and people could direct their own investments, I'm sure that cost a lot of people on the telephone their job. Um, you know, in 25 years that I've been drafting plain documents, I haven't increased my price by one penny because efficiencies in the software make it far easier for me to draft a plain document. When it took hours and hours and hours, I could do it in minutes. Uh, that's just neither here nor there. So I'm more efficient, so I'm going to bring those efficiencies to the marketplace to my customers. I'm not going to take that $2,000 document and charge $3,500 because, you know, inflation of the last 25 years, I'm just now more efficient. And, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is going to change your time of playing business. How it's going to change, uh, I would assume investment advice, certain areas, uh, it, you know, are going to change. We're still going to need humans uh, to prove distributions and whatnot, draft plain documents, I think. Uh, I'm an attorney, and let's face it, attorneys are very good at protecting their own interests, and AI will not be able to be an attorney. Uh, you know, uh, like in the movie The Poseidon Adventure, that seismic wave, oh my God, as Leslie Nielsen proclaimed, it was going to topple the Poseidon one way or the other. AI will have a big change in the retirement plan business, whether we like it or not. It can't be stopped. We can't stop technology. It just doesn't work that way. Um, it's how we deal with the change that will determine our fate in this business. And, you know, uh, I think parts of my job are going to be outsourced to AI, maybe. Um, I'm more afraid of the IRS, to, uh, you know, claiming that everything could be self-correction and not VCP. That's the bigger change that I'm more concerned about. Uh, next, PEPS. Um, 1989, I think it was New Year's Eve, the the Clark special, whatever it was. Lombardo was the biggest craze. You know, it was, it was uh, from Brazil, it was like a sexy dance, and I didn't think it was going to catch on because it only seemed to be that there was one song that they played with it. Not like disco where, you know, you had the hustle, but you had so many other songs. Um, it was really popular for about five minutes. Uh, it still produced two movies, one called Lombardo and the other one called The Forbidden Dance. And the Forbidden Dance is the one that actually had the Lombada song on it that you always heard. Um, you know, some fads are successful, uh, some are not. Um, you know, Cabbage Patch Kids were successful for quite some time. Uh, Lombada, Crystal Pepsi, didn't work out. Uh, you know, and everybody, Atkins was a big craze at one point and kind of knew that Atkins was dead when Kraft all the other big companies have started to put out low-carb foods. Uh, pooled employer plans are a fad. Uh, very, very popular these days. Uh, came on board in 2021. Um, I think it, it met a purpose in the retirement plan space, um, you know, thanks to the cessation of open MEPs, uh, according to the Department of Labor's view, as being single plans. Uh, so, you know, it's been nearly three years of PEPs. You see a lot of um, 
you see a lot of paperwork and press releases about how successful, you know, how PEPs are successfully launched. You don't see many press releases on how successful they are in terms of plant assets because I think quite, quite a few of them are not. Um, I think the problem sometimes is um, plant providers um, haven't been able to get the assets that they need. Um, you know, uh, a great selling point supposedly for PEPs was going to be cost effectiveness. I think that if a plan doesn't have assets, it's not that costly effective. The fiduciary outsourcing argument is far better. Um, I think what will, you know, it just reminds me, um, I always tell the story, and a friend of mine, he was a year uh, behind me in day school, his parents um, had a stationery store in the late 70s, party center, and uh, the father decided to go into the video rental business in 1979, 1980. And slowly but surely, the store, the rental space, became bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, my parents bought their first VCR from uh, the Fetter family at, at Party Center Video. And I think, you know, the son is, uh, I think he's a Morgan Stanley broker in New Jersey. But... Uh, what was funny about it was my parents bought the first VHS from them, it was 750 bucks. They kicked in a free lifetime membership because in those days they actually charged for membership. Slowly but surely, every part of the store became video rental to the part. There were no more, you know, cards, greeting cards, party supplies, and all that stuff. It all became video, and of course, everybody went into the video rental business, and some like the Fetters, were very successful, and, and most people failed afterwards because then all of a sudden Blockbuster came in. And the Fetters actually sold that business uh, at one point, um, and they cash out. I think they saw the writing on the wall. And PEPs are like that too. There's so many PEPs out there, uh, too many PEPs, and I think that what we'll have in this retirement plan business is that you know quite a few PEPs are just going to go out of business. There's going to be mega PEPs. I think the most successful PEPs out there are MEPs that got converted to PEPs. I'm working on converting my most successful plan to a mega PEP, as I call it. And the idea of the mega PEP is we're going to start taking over, um, you know, PEPs that have faltered because they're just haven't gotten the assets. Um, I want to say in the Las Vegas event a couple years back already, January will be two years, uh, Lyle Himbaugh, Granite Group, said, you know, at that juncture, you know, about a dozen peps that have gone out of business. Uh, it's probably a lot more by now. So I still think peps are still a great uh, opportunity out there, but it's not, you know, the be-all, end-all uh, for uh, plant providers, uh, you know, until, like I said, there's a shakeup in the business. Last but not least, government IRA programs are a good thing. I know that people don't like them. People in the time plan business don't like them. You know, there's a question of whether the federal government is going to have their own program too, and there's always a, a pause for concern. Um, we don't like competition, as they say in this space, but I think that anything that can um, increase retirement plan coverage is a good thing, and this is a good thing, in my uh, uh, humble opinion, because... Um, you know, we're always wary of government being involved in retirement. I think it's predicted that Social Security will go broke around the time that I'll start taking out 
course, you know, they'll increase the wage base and do some other gimmicks to uh, to kick the can further down, and hopefully I can collect. But um, again, I think that anything that increases retirement plan coverage is, is, is great, but more importantly, increases the marketplace for retirement plans. So if an employer has a choice of starting their own plan or joining an IRA program, good plan providers with good sales team, you know, if they have, you know, couple of Richard Loritas out there, they could be very successful in recruiting um, adopting employers for PEPs or standalone 401k plans. Um, I don't know about you, but if I was a business that was going to get covered under one of these laws, I'd want to be part of a PEP or start my own plan rather than, you know, you know, relying on state government, obviously IRAs, you know, put less money away towards retirement. I know there's no ADP, ACP as you would with a standalone for one K plan. But, you know, I can't imagine these state plans are giving these plan participants any kind of help. So I think that it's a good thing uh, that anything that increases the marketplace, it's just a matter of being a plan provider that can take it and turn it around and bring clients as a result of this forced coverage. Um, that's it for this episode of the F1K Podcast. Tune in next week for another fun-filled episode. And of course, F1K site.com for further information on all our events.